Welcome, listeners, to the ASI Podcast. This is Season 6, Episode 15. I'm your host, Russ Shaw. Yes, little good Charlotte from back in the day, motivate me. I wanted to talk about motivation today uh, and raise the questions, um, what motivates us, you know, really, long term, you know, there's that, there's that idea of going to CrossFit, right? Like you pump yourself up to do, go to the gym or something, join a gym even, uh, get to that point, like, I'm going to do this. And then you do that. And then there also is this motivation to follow through as well. Right. I'm really curious about this kind of stuff. This has been something that's, uh, plagued my life for years. I'm sort of, I'm in the, in the working to lose weight, uh, area right now, but also, you know, you talk about sexual integrity or sexually compulsive behavior. Some people treating it like a diet. Is that effective? Uh, this is some of what I wanted to talk about today. Um, is there counterproductive uh, streams of motivation, right? Is is there a way to be motivated or seek motivational, you know, material or input that that will help me on my road, you know? I mean, there's a lot of books, a lot of information out there, but what about how is that affecting you, right? Behind your eyes, cuz we're all unique and all these things don't work for everyone. And and sometimes when we try and do that, right? Try and put a uh one size fits all motivational kind of doctrine together, it can be counterproductive, right? Uh, and that's where the Fabstronauts come in. Fabstronaut, I've been reading some some posts from NoFap. Uh, NoFap is a subreddit on the website Reddit, and it's a community of people who are working to stop uh, pornography, PMOing, right? Uh, PMOing is pornography, uh, masturbation, orgasm. So breaking the habit, you know, that's that's how the group is formed. It's not a Christian group or a religious group of any sort. It was actually started by an atheist who worked at Google named Alexander. So uh, that's interesting, right? Um, why stop with the compulsive pornography use? And I think that that's obviously why you're listening, right? Um, for me, it got really dark. It, it just got progressively worse. But why is that? You know, that's that's another question, isn't it? Why did it get progressively worse? Why didn't it just? Why are some people addicted to pornography? Why do some people just, you know, use porn once a week or something like that? And some people got their pants down around their ankles, looking at a screen, masturbating to. Um, they're watching alligators and 
people with, with, with uh, I don't know, disabilities, right? I mean, you think about the weirdest shit, and it usually goes down to that level. Eventually, um, if it's compulsive, it gets darker. So while I don't believe everyone that looks at pornography is an addict... Um, I believe that a lot of them are, right? <laughs> that's a, that's a clear indicator right there. Uh, you're masturbating to uh, fish and wildlife, like someone having sex with an octopus. Like that's a bit extreme, right? That's, you've gone too far. And while talking about, uh, whether you have a problem or not, maybe the topic of another show, another show I've done quite a few times in the past, uh, but the topic of do I have a problem and what does it look like, the motivation to stop the quote problem is something that, uh, I, I want to explore here in season six, because some of this, the problem is a biological thing your body's doing and we don't like it, even though it's fairly natural. All right. So stick with me because yeah, having a screen of flickering images in front of you is not all that natural. Is it? I mean, today, the average male, for example, can see in an hour more naked women than his great-great-grandfather would see in his lifetime. There's something askew there, isn't it? I believe so. Uh, But, again, your body, you do have needs. So we're going to address some of that and talk about some of that today. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. Getting into it. Motivation. What really motivates us? Number one, and probably the oldest, right, form of uh, motivating is the carrot and the stick metaphor, right? You put a carrot on a stick in front of a donkey, and then the donkey walking towards the carrot moves the cart or whatever like that's that's been old school motivation there's also the sharper stick motivator right the guy sitting behind the donkey with a stick and stabs the donkey in the hind end pain um pain is a motivator not wanting to be punished is a motivator I remember when I was in sales, I called on this middle school in the inner city Tacoma area, and right behind the front office where the front office people sat was this huge, like, painting sort of sign mural thing, and it was a it was an African proverb, and what it said stuck with me. It said, Those who learn to discipline themselves will not need someone to do it for them. I thought that was powerful, right? Like that goes to some of that, you know, fear of negative results, right? Or punishment. But also in the way I perceive it, uh, it also goes to freedom, doesn't it? Like, when we can discipline ourselves, we can walk... People that are self-disciplined walk in a a certain kind of freedom that people who aren't don't. To a certain degree, right? Just the way the world works. We start to live in the world the way that it is, rather than not our um, preconceived perceptions of it. Daniel Pink uh, is a lawyer who wrote a book called Drive, 
uh, I wrote a book about motivation and what he's seen, you know, being in the business world uh, that tends to motivate people. And he said that reward tends to narrow our focus and restricts our own innovative, unique sense of value, right, that we bring to the table. Daniel Pink's uh, trinity, so to speak, of motivation, and this is some of the stuff I talked about in season five, episode one. I kind of kicked off season five with this idea and exploring it some more here. And again, the reason I bring this up uh, and want to go a little farther, deeper into it is that, you know, again, no fap. I keep reading these, right? Like here's a here's a post by uh, a fapstronaut and it was entitled, just like the show, uh, Vicious Cycle. I fell into a deep ditch after my longest streak. I relapsed and I've just been chronic two, three times now watching hours of pee. I need to get back up. And he's kind of looking for motivation. Uh, and a lot of people are just, you know, telling him to stay busy or get back up. And I used to say that on this show, right? Uh, get back up, you know, get get back up, get in the game. But what does that mean? Get in what game? Stay busy? Stay busy with what? And that's what I want to tease out here. Here's a clip from Daniel Pink's TED Talk uh, entitled The Puzzle of Motivation, if you want to check it out. The solution is not to do more of the wrong things. To entice people with a sweeter carrot or threaten them with a sharper stick. We need a whole new approach. The good news about all this is that the scientists who've been studying motivation have given us this new approach. It's an approach built much more around intrinsic motivation. Around the desire to do things because they matter, because we like it, because they're interesting, because they're part of something important. And to my mind, that new operating system for our businesses revolves around three elements. Autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Autonomy, the urge to direct our own lives. Mastery, the desire to get better and better at something that matters. And purpose, the yearning to do what we do in the service of something larger than ourselves. Yes, very true. But how do we do that? You know, that's my question. And that's what I'm throwing out there. And here's, here's what I've come up with, all right, as maybe a way to, to answer that question. Doing this show over the years, one of the things when I started, you know, again, season six, going back to what I did in the beginning, right? When I started, I said things like this, and this was very true, and maybe it's part of where you're at on your journey. I wasn't sure who the hell Russ Shaw was, right? I'm not, I'm not sure, man. Once I stripped away the compulsive behavior and addiction after addiction, just me being me was difficult. Like, who the fuck am I? Getting to that rock bottom point and just going, what the? Who am I really? Who am I? What do I value? That's a big question. So that's one thing I want to encourage you with is maybe Google uh, core value test. All right. I know it's kind of a nutsy, boltsy thing to do, but it really is important. And it, it's, it's amazing how it makes you feel doing that little just circling things that you value. What, what, what do you value? What makes you feel alive? That, man, that will do more to stop with the vicious cycle 
than, you know, just get back up, you know, get back up and go another day. Did I find that stuff uh, important and powerful? Yes, to a certain degree. But once I stripped away the behavior and was left with just me, um, that wasn't so good. It led to a kind of depression. When I wanted to fucking relapse, I was like, oh my God, like this is no longer here for me anymore. What do I do now? Who am I now? You know, life is just a series of... Who am I in this season? Oh, it's it's uh, beautiful and frustrating all at the same time. Um, speaking of the science around all that, uh, Daniel Pink brought up science, right? And, and this talk that he did is fairly dated. Um, the book Drive came out in 2009. And it's from a business perspective perspective okay like this was 2009 just after the big economic crash uh here in the states and around the world really uh how do we do something different um no fap started as a part of uh, your brain on porn and this is another scientist who came out with some research on you know what flickering images on a screen can do to our ability to have deeper connections and relationships right um so he touches on some of that some of pink's uh research right um autonomy purpose mastery I wanted to read you something. Speaking of a book, and, and uh, I had this this is Jay Stringer, who I had on the show, uh, season five, episode twenty five, I believe, right around in that area. Uh, he was writing a book, and his book will be out uh, here in September. And here's some of the stuff he 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 wrote about. The book is actually called uh, "Unwanted: How Sexual Brokenness Reveals Our Way to Healing." I actually linked uh, on my survey page. There's a survey page for ASI. If you go to ASI247.org, uh, fill out a survey. Sometimes I read those on the show. Um, sometimes. Anyway, <laughs> but anyway, he, he's uh, surveyed over 4,000 people. And and some of the uh, research that he's done is has been pretty amazing, all right, when it comes to motivation and understanding why we do the things we do. Uh, here's some of the examples of, of things that he came up with. Um, men who lack a clear sense of purpose were seven times more likely to escalate in their pornography. Women who felt like their needs were not as important as others felt like they needed to be secretive in order to get their needs met, etc. Were nearly six times more likely to fantasize and pursue an anonymous affair. Um most significant pornography users had sexual abuse scores that were eight percentage points higher compared with those with lower scores. Has me thinking again about autonomy, mastery, purpose, right? See, as Daniel Pink was uh, addressing a crowd of business people just after one of the biggest economics collapses we've had in modern times uh, this issue is addressed with some of the same wounds that are still going on under the surface right 
unlike economics, it, it has a different economy, an economy that isn't so much um, dependent on time passing. Time heals all wounds. No, no, it don't. Some wounds just sit in there and they fester for years. So yeah, some of these wounds need to be worked out. And that's another thing I wanted to talk about is, and I've talked about this a thousand times and being in a group is important and, you know, go to a church or something. And, and some, man, I'll be honest, some churches aren't all that safe. All right. Some groups aren't all that safe. Just know your group and don't stick with one just because you're, you feel like you have to, all right? Just leave if you feel threatened or some of the things religious groups will do is kind of make themselves above the world. Like I remember hearing a lot about worldliness in some Christian groups, right? Like that's the world and we're doing our thing in here. It's like, no, um, churches are pretty worldly. All right. And some of these stories in the news, the, the Catholic Church and and the Willow Creek, I, you know, having my pastor, uh, my f- pastor friend Rick on talking about the Willow Creek scandal with Bill Hybels and how many people just, you know, we're going to protect the system and institution. You know, it's on with the show. We tend to uh, protect institutions and systems more than people, even though people you know, don't exist. It doesn't exist without the people. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but that's one of those subconscious kind of counterproductive motivations that we do. We don't even realize it. Protect the system, protect the institution, you know, keep the things in the dark, keep the secrets. It's it's counterproductive because, you know, what the Bible says, your sins will find you out, right? Everything that's in the dark will be exposed in the light and so on. But if what you're selling is some branded, we've got this life thing figured out, the counterproductive motivation is to keep unfortunate things in the dark. The things that slow us down, we're going to not talk about those things. The things that trip us up, keep those down here. It doesn't have to be, it's our dirty laundry, we don't want that out wherever we can see it. Man church ain't like a business or a corporation the bible says be in the world but not of the world but more often than not when you're called on your stuff and your cards are flat on the table the church seems to operate just like a corporation today and i believe it's another one of those knee-jerk counterproductive motivators there's something in us that wants to keep everything up here on a surface level we want to keep everything looking good on a surface level See, a healthy social structure doesn't do that, right? Like a healthy family slows to the pace of the weakest in that family. I've had a, a friend who has a brother with special needs, you know, and he told me about how difficult it is, and but how much he loves his brother, how his brother is, is awesome and fun and interesting and but he's, you know, he's probably not ever going to have a job and have a normal life. But that family loves him. And yeah, they'd move at a different pace than the rest of us. And there's a lot of this kind of stuff in Christian leadership that's counterproductive to a family, a safe place, a safe space, um, healthy, healthy social constructs is what. I'm after here, all right? 
some churches can be not healthy for that reason. Uh, we're encouraged to stay in the dark, you know, to even live double lives. Some of the theology can can motivate us in that direction. See, this is what I mean by counterproductive motivations. Something I heard recently, uh, Mr. Rogers, of all people, who they're making a movie about, but he was talking about uh, teaching children that feelings, for example, feelings are um, mentionable and manageable. And that's important, right? What our feelings are doing is important, And those feelings don't always, we're not always conscious of them. It's important to be conscious of how you feel, where you're at, and why. And listen, I'm not saying your feelings should rule and run your life. Of course not. You'd be a slave to your whims and your emotions. But what I am saying is this manly BS, ignore your feelings. No. There are motivating factors in us that can be counterproductive and that's one of them another one is is nofap you know uh, some of nofaps counting your days uh, I, it, it, once you put a date on it and you start living for some date on a calendar i'll be honest i i believe that's counterproductive all right F- take it what you will advice from me all right but i, I don't see it's it's counterproductive you're your body is not something you need to go to war with. There's a lot of research and neuroscience that says you feel bad, so you self-medicate, and then you self-medicate, which makes you feel bad because you broke your date or whatever. So what do you do? Self-medicate. And if it's not with porn, it's with something else. You know, there's the self-medicating because we hate on ourselves is a cycle. It's part of that vicious cycle that needs to be broken. All right. I love you. So I tell you this, this is not, not trying to should on you here. I'm just saying, how does it feel when that date's broken again? All right. Uh, Again, my friend Seth Taylor's work in this area is important. Uh, and he also, you know, coming from a religious background and seeing also some of the toxic stuff that happens in religion when it comes to sexuality, for example. Live in the light as he is in the light, right? If you go to a church, I'm a big believer in Jesus. I, I, I'm a, I love Jesus. I'm skeptical about organized religion. I've been doing this for almost 13 years. I've seen too much, right? Uh, But it's true. Um, Healthy groups is how we change and evolve and grow. Social structures. Here's another book for you. Uh, And I I found out about this book through another TED Talk. And I I looked it up. And it's by Matt Lieberman. The, The book is called Social um, how we're all wired for connection. And I shared this on the Facebook page, Heart, Mind, Love, Sex, and Affection. If you haven't checked that out yet, uh, that's the Facebook page for this. It's a group page. I post uh, some of the content for the show or the things that I find interesting and I want to have on the show, I'll post on there. So yes, uh, Heart, Mind, Love, Sex, and Affection on Facebook. If you want to join the group, you're welcome to. Um but I wanted to read you this. This is some uh, some other 
research that has come to light when it comes to social interaction and how our brains need it. All right. Starving ourselves socially is 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 equivalent to smoking. Right. It's it's not good for us. Let me play you a, a, a clip. I'm going to play a clip from uh, that TED Talk that I was telling you about. You're about to hear uh, from a woman named Carrie. Uh, Carrie Gornett. Uh, she takes a, a deeper dive. In, she, does a, she runs a counseling consulting group. And uh, I thought this was really good. This is powerful. This is a clip from her TED Talk entitled... Uh, again, we're going into some of the, the business part of this, but I think this is important what she says right here. Uh, stop trying to motivate your employees. <laughs> That's the name of her TED Talk. Uh, you, here you go. From the TED stage, uh, a few minutes with Carrie uh, Goletti. And so what we want to think about when it comes to motivation is there's a quantity aspect, but more importantly, there's a quality aspect. So the success in our life is determined by elevating or maximizing our productive motivations and minimizing our counterproductive motivations. And we need to be extremely careful about when we, when we um, engineer teams because we want to make sure we're putting people that are healthy together. Neuroscientists have proven over the last five years that we as human beings are hardwired to connect. We're hardwired to connect with others. And I know you introverts in the room are going, nope, not me. (laughs) But yes, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you are hardwired to connect. The introverts just want smaller social circles of people that they know very well. The extroverts just, it's like a spray in a room. They walk into a room, and the whole room is a bunch of friends they just haven't met yet. So we might have different approaches to it. But neuroscientists have said, not only are we hardwired to connect, our brains will not thrive at their full capacity unless we are a part of a healthy group. Let me say that again. Our brains will never be fully realized unless we are part of a healthy group. Yes, how is that for a dramatic transition? Um, <laughs> I, I didn't agree with everything she said in the talk. There was a few things I'm like, eh. Uh, but what she... Uh, I, I did like the book that she mentioned. I actually... Uh, gonna order it here by Matt Lieberman. This is uh, an article. This is an article I posted again on Heart, Mind, Love, Sex, and Affection. Uh, here's what he said. All right. Um, one of the most exciting findings to emerge from neuroscience in recent years underlies the brain's inherent social nature. Just as human beings have a basic need for food and shelter, we also have basic need to belong to a group and form relationships. The desire to be in a loving relationship, to fit in at school, to join a fraternity or sorority, to avoid rejection and loss, to see your friends do well and be cared for, to share good news with your family, to cheer on your sports team, and even to check Facebook. These things motivate an incredibly oppressive array of our thoughts, actions, and feeling, and feelings. Um, Lieberman says the brain, as the center of the social, is the center of the social and primary self. The brain's primary focus and purpose is social 
thinking, right? We don't just sit and think of ourselves all the time. I've talked about that in the show before too. Like think of some of the funnest times you've had in your life. Were you all alone, all by yourself? No, right? Like we are wired for that, man. We are wired to be in healthy relationships. So going back to uh, what Daniel Pink said about uh, purpose, we, we talk about a lot about purpose, you know, in, in Christian circles and uh, Seth talks about it. Triple uh, X Church talks about it. No thought talks about it. Your brain on porn talks about it, right? But what you, for me, this was a big one. Getting out there, amongst other people and sharing the things that make you feel alive is important. You're going to start to find the things that you're good at and not good at amongst healthy social relationships and social structure, right? I always like that uh, American Idol uh, or UK Idol or Australian Idol, if you've watched those singing shows, right? Like there's always that person that thinks they can sing, and they probably have family members who are well-meaning and they love them. So they're, you know, oh, yeah, you could sing great <laughs> until they get in front of professionals. And then they're like, yeah, you might think of doing something else. Right. Um, so it's it, and that can hurt. Right. That can hurt when we find out that the thing that we're super passionate about is maybe not our thing. But when we get passionate about relationships friendships, building social structure, you start to see your gifts and talents bubble to the surface. People start to be honest with you about what you're actually good at. That's pretty cool. All right. That's pretty beautiful. And that's how I want to kind of land the plane with this show. And I want to encourage you to value connection to work on valuing connection. Well, how do I get connected? Here's another one. There's an app out there called Meet Up. All right. You can download this app and there's uh, things that people do, right? Maybe things you're interested in, things that make you feel alive as a person, things that you value as a person. You can meet with other people who are doing some of the same stuff. All right. Especially if you're in a big city. It works better if you're in a large or near at least a large city. But Meetup is a great place to start uh, honing or valuing connection and relationship. If you're a Christian type and you are blessed to go to a healthy church, that's another great place to, you know, maybe even start a group or start some kind of ministry, right? To to help other people or to work with other people or, you know, even to ride your motorcycles or bicycles or whatever it is. Athletics. Um, what, what are you good at? What are you passionate about? See, this is... Taking your mind off of, oh, I had it weak, you know, I had 12 days, I didn't jerk off. The more you raise your ability to have purpose and meaning in your life, the more that stuff starts to shed like hair off a dog, all right? It, it, you no longer have to sit there with your, you know, list or your calendar and spank yourself for not being a good boy or girl. All right, you can start to see who you are in a relationship without getting naked. If anything, I'm encouraging you to get naked with your emotions and your feelings and your personhood 
before you take your clothes off, right? That's that's a big one. Intimacy with other human beings. I think that a lot of this is the body, the body's craving for connection and physical connection or having someone inside you or you being inside someone that feels like a kind of intimate connection, even though it can be simply masturbating with someone else's body. It's just another one. There's a lot of fabstronauts who are trying to stop looking at porn so they can get laid more. And it's the same. It's kind of the same. It's just you're using someone else's body to masturbate. What if you actually valued relationship? What if you could actually be partners with someone? What if you could, right, live this life not alone, but with somebody and carry that out and have this you get me and I get you and we come together without secrets, naked and unashamed. We have this, uh, that kind of sex is amazing. It's amazing. It's better than using someone else's body to freaking masturbate. All right. My friend John came up with that. That's, that was brilliant. It's so true. What if you could have that deep connection partners? Yeah, they're going to drive you nuts. That's part of the deal. That's part of it, right? It's how we we wear off our egocentric rough edges. <laughs> being with a partner, being in relationship with another another human being, another flawed, wonderfully, beautifully fucked up human being, right? You're going to be in relationship with that person and they're going to annoy you a little bit. And it starts to, we, we have this egocentric part of us that starts to move off of center when we're in a relationship and we get to be, that's, that's what I love about God. That's why I'm a theologian or a, a Christ follower, right? This, this idea of the Trinity, that God is other centered, self-giving love in a perfect circle dance, continuing on. That's relationship. That's intimacy. It's even sexuality, right? It's in everything. This Trinitarian dance of other centered, self-giving. In business, they would call it win-win. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that out there. This went off freaking Tony Robbins or Daniel Pink on you there. Uh, but anyway, hopefully this encourages you. Uh, Russ at ASI247.org. Uh, Russ Shaw, all one word on Twitter, right? At Russ Shaw. Um, I want to make more of these shows, but I'd like to hear from you if any of this is making sense. And uh, let me know. How How is this hitting you? How is this affecting you? Uh, is anybody out there? Love you guys. I mean that sincerely. Um, the reward, the carrot on the end of the stick is you. What if that's your reward? What if you get to be you? Just you. You get to be yourself with all of your shining, glowing beauty. That bowl analogy that my therapist uses, right? You, you have your bowl and the things that are in the bowl you want. You want in there. You've actually pulled from the bowl the things that you don't want in there. You're seeing those things, able to identify them and remove them from the bowl. And you get to be you with your bowl, with its cracks and its imperfections, but you, you get to be you. What if that's the reward we're after? Really? 
that we would get to be other-centered, self-giving lovers of life and of people. I'm Rushon. Till next time. Um, seriously, Russ at ASI247.org. If I don't email you back, I didn't get your email. My email is kind of wonky. Uh, but again, there hasn't been a lot of reviews on the ASI podcast anymore on iTunes or uh, other podcasting formats. And uh, just gauging how many more of these shows I'm going to be doing in the future, right? Uh, is it time to move on? I, I don't know. So yeah, whether it's Twitter or Facebook Messenger, social media seems to be the way that I'm connecting with listeners more lately than email. Email used to be, but and I still get an email every so often, just not very often. So it's less about social media, more about connection. C. Rushaw on Instagram is another way you can get in contact with me. It's not that I'm craving social media stuff. I'm just uh, kind of gauging the show as to how many people this is making an impact on. All right. Wanted to leave you with an old classic by Bob Seeger. This is a great tune. Speaking of uh, getting out there, taking the risk of being social, right? expanding your mind with social interaction make you feel alive and things that tend to make us feel alive put us outside of our comfort zone i realize that's what i'm saying here a little bit right for some of you this is going to be operational outside of your comfort zone and i don't want to minimize that like some of you have been hurt some of you have seen the devastation in human relationships and you know, love relationships. But I pray that you don't continue to be motivated by fear, right? Fear is counterproductive motivation, in my opinion. (laughs) I can say that. I know. I have fear too. But take a chance, right? Get out there in relationship. Take a chance. But take a chance, all right? You're asking people to take a chance on you. And you know what? A lot of us, we think we get all uh, nervous in social situations. And, and a lot of times people are just looking at you thinking, can you take a chance on me? I love that analogy that we're all just emotional ragamuffins sitting there with all our wounds and our patches and our stitches. And there's another one looking at you, the other one. Can you take a chance on me? Can I take a chance on you? Right? Um, whether it's doing a podcast or getting out to a meetup group. All taking chances. Love you guys. You take a chance on an airplane. You take a chance when you cross the street. You take a chance when you love somebody. When you're standing near the heat Take a chance when you're honest Take a chance when you tell lies You take a chance when you trust somebody When you look them in the eyes Take a chance on me Take a chance 
The ASI Podcast is a listener-supported production. Your greatly appreciated financial assistance in keeping the ASI Podcast up and running is the reason it has been in existence this long. But Russ needs more accomplices in delivering this underground message to the masses. You can give one time or be a monthly accomplice to this here pirate radio program. You can do that as a co-producer. Go to asi 24 ORG to learn more. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe.